This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're tuned in to the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Joining me on the show today is Fabian Fernandez. Fabian has a big dream. He plans to circumnavigate around the world on his boat, Destiny. It's a feat that no Malaysian has attempted yet, and by being the first, he hopes to inspire others to start chasing their dreams. He joins me on the show ahead of his journey, which will roughly take around three to five years to share his story and the reasons why he's decided to do this. Okay, to say that I had a thought about circumnavigating the world, well, I honestly did not even think about it until... 2018, I think. Mm. In 2014, I took up sailing, more mm. of a hobby and more of to do racing. You know, it's a it's an it's a sport, mm. so you have racing. Mm. So in Malaysia, there are a couple of racing events, and I used I'm I'm with the Royal Selangor Yacht Club, where they do conduct uh, boating activities which involve sailboats. Um, so I did start there, thinking more about racing. But the reason where I when I this thing came about in my mind that I need to go and do something audacious uh, would be it was in 2017 when my someone in my family passed away very young uh, and at that time I told myself hmm you know so young and people just drop dead so I said you know there will come a time when we all will face that situation so you need to do things in life that you can build. It builds memories. Memories are the things that stay with us. I remember the first time I look, went into the Indian Ocean uh, back in 1992. When you cross the Sunda Straits and you go into the Indian Ocean, it's massive. And the years that I spent at sea has memories that I carry on till today. And I can't tell these stories to anybody because they don't know what I've seen. Now, when my when this thought of mine came about to sail around the world, I said, look, I need to first uh, do, like create a bucket list. So the bucket list came about from things that I wanted to do. And even in when I formed this after the death of my fa- family member, mm. uh, sailing around the world was not in there. What was in that list if you don't mind? Okay, so now I started off, the first thing that I said was, uh, I'm a big uh, canary yellow Brazil fan. I live and breed the Brazilian football team. Um, I said, oh, I have to watch Brazil play live. You know, as in not as in an exhibition match, but in the World Cup. So in 2018, I went to Russia to watch the World Cup. I mean, uh, there's no way you can forget. Uh, I mean, whether it's Brazil won the World Cup or not, it's immaterial. Mm. The presence to be in the stadiums is amazing. And right. you cannot get it anywhere else. Even watching it live on a, a, a gigantic TV or, you know, no, it doesn't. it's not the same. Mm. But then another thing was, hmm, I, I'm a big fan of Celine Dion. And I said, okay, I have to watch her perform. And I did that. Mm. I would have loved to watch Michael Jackson, but he passed away. Mm. And I would have loved to watch George Michael, he passed away. So it was like all my the song, singers that I grew up and I would like to at least see them, uh, they passed away. Mm. So now I said, okay. So then came uh, the one in my, in my job site. There were 
where I, where I was working before, there was this thing that I wanted to do something that was different in the in the field that I was in. So I got that. And that was done also in 2018. Mm -hmm. So in terms of getting things done in this bucket list, then I started to add on. So somewhere in 2018 is when this thought, there was a, like a light bulb moment for me. And I said, why don't I sail around the world? You know, my uh, destiny, my boat, it is is a size that it's not really big, relatively speaking, compared with other boats that have gone around the world, but there are smaller boats that have gone around the world. I said, why not take Destiny around the world? Mm. At the time, you already have Destiny. Yes, I have. Mm. I had it. I had her, but she was mainly for racing. You know, mm. it was everything was done to race in the regattas and things like that. So I was, it was never, because preparing for a circumnavigation is totally a different game. Mm. Uh, it's like races are a 100-meter sprint. Uh, circumnavigation is a marathon. Yeah. So you are you prepare differently. I mean, if anyone here is a runner, they will know you, if you run a 100-meter sprint and you run a marathon, they don't train the same. So everything changes. The way you prepare the boat, everything changes. So that's when this thing came about. And then another reason why I wanted to do it was I felt that we need to leave these memories, like I said earlier. The other thing is life is too short you got to learn to live and breathe the air and experience life. And then when the time comes for you to go, you will go with a lot of fond memories. That is the only thing we can take once we leave this earth. Um, you can't take all your money and go. You can't take all your fancy titles. Remember when Queen Elizabeth was buried, she was called Elizabeth at the end because she is no more the queen. So like what I said is you cannot even take your your titles with you. So all these titles in the world are immaterial. All the money in the world is immaterial. You need to have experiences. You need to live your life. And yeah, I mean, sailing is, for me, is what I want to do. It's going to be like my, what is that? The word they use, you know, like a grand opera kind of thing, you know, the thing that will define who I am. Mm -hmm. Well, I know not many Malaysians have done it. Uh, Azhar Banso is one of them. The current Sultan of Slango is another. They have done it all in different legs, in different, different routes. Mm. So what I aim to do is to try to get the most distance possible and achieve something on my own. Now, this is something that it is going to be like my biggest achievement in my life and something that I would be remembered for uh, with my, okay, nobody remembers me five years down the line when I return. It's fine. In my life, in my time, I will know I've done it. Mm. And there'll be a lot of people who will sit in their house and say, look, I want to do this, I want to do this, and never put their leg and do a single thing. Mm. So this is why I embarked on this, this journey, to do something that I will, I mean, something audacious, uh, that's the right word. In, in Jim Collins' book, he has his big audacious goal. You know, everyone, when you're in, in a management philosophy, he is always, you know, you create a very big audacious goal and aim for it. And to me, this is it. Because it's not easy. In Malaysia, one of the biggest difficulties we face is there is no reference points. Who am I going to refer to? None. Uh, everyone, like Dato Azhar, when he did it, he had a team with him. He had a government backing him. And yet he was alone when he did that. I mean, there's no reference points. For me, where is my reference point in Malaysia? So all I did was read a lot. I mean, prepared by talking to others, foreigners, and build the the know -how, the technical know-how required for it. Mm. When you 
decided that okay, I want to steal uh, the world. Um, how did your family react to this? Oh, okay, that's a good one. 90, 95% of the people I know, oh, sorry, I would say 99% of the people I know think I'm crazy. Uh, my family has been in a place whereby uh, they know me. I'm the type of person that when I set my mind to do something, I'll do it. Mm. Now, uh, you can't stop me. Uh, so it's either you accept it or I'm still going. You know, it's it's like that. It's not being... Uh, you know, there are people in life... Uh, you, you, where they know these things, you know, you know, like they just don't give up, and because of maybe of my upbringing, I mean, perhaps we are, I'm a few more years senior to you, but a lot of us in the old days, oh geez, not the old days. Okay, I would say twenty or thirty years ago. Let's just take example of universities. There were only the government universities to and to do a tertiary education. I mean, to get your degree and all. Now you throw a stone, you hit a university. So the choices-wise, these days, we have a lot of choices. Those days, we did not. So because of that, our upbringing, where you have to literally fight for your place, you would study hard, you know, you'd work hard. Because you want to come up in life, you have no choice. Uh, opportunities in the 70s in Malaysia or in the 80s is not the same as opportunities available for young ones now in Malaysia. There's so much abundance of opportunity now in Malaysia against what it was in the 80s. So this creates that desire to continuously strive to, to fight for things and to, be, to not give up. This is something that I find that we need to do nowadays because a lot of our because I in my job my previous job I used to meet a lot of young engineers mm. and one of the problems with a lot of them these days is because they don't have this difficulty growing up they didn't have to fight for stuff things are given to them from the school when we are in school they are almost literally spoon fed okay mm. they're spoon fed not to say they are that's not their fault in a way, I would say it's the parents' fault, lah, because we don't. We want to make sure our kids don't go through the life, go through life the same way we did. You want them in an easy part, easier part at what we did. So hence, spoon fed. They are spoon fed in school. They are spoon fed in the universities because nowadays, it's real. Let's be realistic. It's it's a business, churning out degrees. Mm. Uh, people don't want you to fail. Yeah. You know so. They are practically pushed through the system. So with all that, you lack the drive, you lack the desire to do things. Well, this is what I want to do. I want to show my own kids for that matter. You know, President Kennedy in 1961, when he launched the US space program and to put someone on the moon, said we do things not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Now, this is something that has stuck onto my brain like it's there for, it's just there. And this is what it should be for all of us. I'm not saying you've got to go and work hard, like work 10 jobs to earn more money. No, you have to have that desire to push forward in whatever you're doing. Build that. It doesn't, not, I'm not talking about sailing, I'm talking about things in general. Build it. You know, if you, if, you, if you drop down, you're trying something, you fall down, get up, keep going. Fall again, get up, keep going. Don't give up. And this thing, you know, leaving my career at my peak is not something people take very easily, you know. If you tell anyone, you know, at your peak, you resign. And you say, I've retired. 
people will be like, I'm oh, really going, you know, slightly bonkers or what? Now, on top of that, I'm not only doing that, I'm going on this journey of probably more than 30,000 miles. So, if it's roughly about 50,000, 60,000 kilometers mm. around the world on a sailboat, which is just 38 feet long. So, in, for those who don't know feet, metrics, it'll be about, in the metric system, it's about 11.5 meters. So, 11.5 meter boat circumnavigating the world. So, people think, if you're coming back to your early question, whether my what my family thinks of it, they think I'm crazy. But they have no choice but to let me do it. All right. And so far, I assume they've been very supportive of you. Yeah. Mm, yeah, sort of. <laughs> I, I'm not good as okay. I, I wouldn't say, you know, because it's difficult, mainly because even if they said no, I'm going. Yeah. Now, in their heart, they have to buy into it, you know, like as in, okay, lah, let him go and do it, you know. Mm. But how they feel, you know, is something that is very personal. So they may not tell me, but I feel I have support from some critical members of my family and some close friends. All right. uh, there is, to me, you know, when I met, I, I had the opportunity to, I was granted an opportunity to have an audience with His Highness Rajamuda of Slangor last year in December. Now, to me, he was like a full-on supporter because he was like, I mean, look, normal people don't get a chance to go and meet the Rajamuda or of any state for that matter and sit with him in his palace and let him have a chit-chat with you for an hour. That means he's interested. He, he actually, and him being a, an avid sailor makes it seem like his dad. So, you know, that is automatically that interest is in him. I met him so many times in regattas. So, you know, he, these are my supporters. There is him. There is the vice commodore of the, the Royal Slango Yacht Club, who is also a very big supporter of mine. You know, they are just his name is, by the way, is Ramasami Menon, and he's one of those big supporters that I have because they are not many. You know, a lot of people um, say yes, they support you, but you know, it looks like a very something that we are not sure about. We don't know. People will really come and do the real flag waving exercise. The numbers are, I think I can count with my first, in my in my hands. They're not that many. Mm. Um, it, so for me, it's, despite this is something that I plan to tell the world or tell myself when I return back, this is what it is. You have this little support, still push your way through. It's not easy because you will face a lot of difficulties at sea mm. and to leave your career at your peak and you know, go and do something like this, a lot of difficulties. So, Correct, yeah. So you, you had to quit your job to do this? I, I had to, yes. Mm, because right. you can't do it full-time. No, not possible. Can't convince the boss to give you like a... Five years sabbatical? <laughs> I, I think I'll be irrelevant by the time I come back. <laughs> All the young ones will just take my job. I've been speaking to Fabian Fernandez, a person that's planning to sail around the world. We're going to make way for some messages. More after this. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today is Fabian Fernandez. Fabian is planning to circumnavigate around the world on his boat, Destiny. It's an audacious dream to use his words, but it's one that is committed to accomplish as part of his goals in life. Surely, with a dream as ambitious as that, there must be a lot of preparations that must be made, right? Okay, first, you need to prepare the boat. Now, boats, you see, it's like, okay, you have a Maiwi mm. and you have a Mercedes. Mm. Obviously, the Mercedes will handle a lot better. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, how do I say, uh, being sponsored by anybody. <laughs> so that I'm just giving an example. So if you take these two cars, boat gets you from point A to point B. But one may get you point A to point B in a very comfortable way. And one is less comfortable. I'm not saying not comfortable, less comfortable. But you get there. Uh, so when we are talking about boats doing a marathon like this, then your boats need to have, even you're a Maivi, you soup it up to become, okay, not exactly a MERS, but you try to take it there so that you can actually do it with relative comfort. Now, boats need to be prepared. There's equipment that needs to be put in, uh, additional equipment uh, that needs to be come into the boat to you, allow you to do the uh, the whole long marathon. So this needs to come. So that's taken me a while because one, it's expensive. These equipments cost a lot of money and that is why I couldn't do it. I mean, if I'm I'm a rich person, I could do it probably in six months, you know, get all the equipment and just put it in a boat, send it to a marina, upgrade everything, but you can't. It takes me a few years just to get all the equipment in place. Uh, so that's why it took me four years. Then the second thing is in route planning, as in the routes, the, the where you're going, looking at all the weather patterns, talking to a lot of people to get the the best consensus of when is the right time to go and to gain that support that you need to know when to go. So this is a, where it took me four years. And also it was coincidental that in the four years, my both kids graduated from uni and they're all starting work. So which means effectively I don't have a big financial burden to to be continue working. Mm. I mean, if you are, have two kids in a university and you drop off, uh, how are you going to pay for the I mean for yeah. the kids' education? Right. So it's all it just sort of fell into the place at the right time and the right moment. Mm, all right. Okay. So let's talk about the the how how you plan your route so far. I mean, it seems to be very organized, and you've. You've sort of like like laid out everything on your website here. How 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 did you, how did you do this? Yeah, I mean in terms of planning the routes. Okay. Um, in order to cross the Indian Ocean, there are multi, multi there are ones that I put on is the more easier of it because you're going in around the equator most of the time, and then rounding the Cape, uh, Cape that were around South Africa is the Cape of Good Hope, rounding it. Uh, and mind you, Cape of Good Hope has never been rounded this way by any Malaysian as far as I know. So this would be a one point to be taken. And um, so this route that I chose, if you see in the website, there's an island called Chagos in there. Now, Chagos uh, is actually very close to Diego Garcia, the big, huge American base in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Now, they require permits to enter. Now, if you ask me, I mean, prior to this, we had a conversation before the interview and you said, um, uh, like, what kind of support. You see, I mentioned to you the foreign ministry. Now, in order to get, to go to Chagos, you need to apply for permits because the British government, which administers that territory, uh, gives it 
on case by case basis and now of late they are not very giving so malaysia and this i am 100% certain not a single malaysian has ever set foot on that island now imagine in the whole world we have malaysians have been probably to antarctic and to the arctic i, I don't know about the arctic but i know pretty sure antarctic yes uh, but we have an island that the malaysians have never set foot and i wanted to go there i'm very disappointed that a permit did not come hence that is why i'm bypassing chegos now and heading straight for seychelles but it is part and parcel of life sometimes you don't get you know everything so it's about getting up and getting your you know just okay fine you don't do it now maybe i go one round come back malaysia and chegos is not that far away i can go again so i just think of it that way i'm very disappointed yes but you know it's not the end of the world i'll just go on so why i chose this route I wanted to get there are three places in the world that I want to make sure that I complete in this voyage. First is Chagos, second is Saint Helena in the Atlantic, and the third one is the South Pacific of the islands, which is the French Polynesia, which is consists of Tahiti and a whole load of islands. Now these are three places that I want to go. Now Chagos is obviously out of my league now, but it's okay. I can think about it another day. So the route you go westward. That means I sail. Towards from I mean I move west, uh, just to put it in perspective. Because you're going west is because the winds are will blow you towards there. It's more easier along the equator, mm. and and there are distinct seasons. You see, if you read our history, you notice that Port, the Portuguese when they came to Malaya, ah sorry Tanamlayu those days, um, they came at particular times in the year. Uh, they have like six months, then they have to stay, and then they got to go back after that. Now, if you notice, the reason for this is because of the prevailing winds. Uh, later on, the British coined the word trade winds, trade winds, because they could only do trade because of the direction. So they let's say they left the UK and they sailed, and then they came, and then they couldn't go back immediately. They had to wait for the winds to turn, and then they go back. So the, there is a trade wind belt within. That's all to do with temperatures, difference of temperature between the land and the sea, you know, and different stage time of the year. So that's why the, the route takes so long and takes a lot of planning because you've got to get it there at the right time. You don't want to be sailing in cyclones or hurricanes, depending on which ocean you are in. Mm. So you have to time it. Now, that's why it takes so long, uh, which is why the route is planned in such a way. Now you cross. I'll be in Cape Town by the end of this year. Atlantic will be the whole of 2024. And by the time I reach the Caribbean, hopefully by June, July, then hang around the Caribbean for a while because the sailing season to the Pacific, uh, meaning once you've crossed the Panama Canal, uh, to go to, say, French Polynesia, people boats start to leave Panama around March. So it means 2025 March is when I can get there. So to cross the Atlantic, I would be across the Atlantic in probably less than two months but the rest of the time is just waiting probably going around places like i plan to cruise in brazil uh, and then go up work my way up towards the caribbean and wait for the time to cross mm. so everything is taking a longer period because of the prevailing winds it's very critical all right um so you also to a certain extent planning for things to do while you wait for the the winds to be more in your favor right um okay that what i'll do is probably i would uh, try to go to 
some of these countries. Like when I get to Zanzibar, for instance, mm. in July, mm. I probably would go into Kenya and look at the the big five animals in the Serengeti. That means I'll do a, go into a, do a safari uh, just to see all these big animals. I know two or three. I think there's the elephant, the lion, and I think it's the leopard. I forget the other two. So these animals are there and you want to see them. Uh, so I would be in Kenya. Uh, why not go and look at them? And then uh, this would be the things that I would do. Now, if I was going to go to Brazil, hopefully I reach when the carnival is there. I, I, I hope to time it in such a way that I'm in Brazil for the carnival. Uh, so that, that is in itself is one of those big events that you have to... I mean, it's not something, just something different, you know, where you can see. Of course, you can fly to Brazil and look at it. But since I'm already there, I might as well. And then also coincidentally... When you coast up towards the Caribbean along the eastern coast of Brazil, you will actually pass French Guiana. Now, French Guiana is where they lost the Harian spaceships, the European Space Agency. Now, if you time it right and you get to watch a, a rocket launch, that would be interesting. <laughs> All right. It seems like you, you have already have everything laid out as opposed to an extent. Um, so what about the other types of preparations that you have to do in terms of, I guess, being, I guess, physically uh prepared for it, mentally prepared for it, and as well as, I guess, uh, anticipating potential hiccups, you know, along the way. Um, okay, like, for instance, now, you see, remember, boats sit in an environment where you're, everything is, there's a lot of salt in the air, mm. and you're sitting in a place which is always wet. So these things always create a possibility of brings breaking and uh, not working. So it does happen. Uh, anticipation, so when you do the planning, like I said to you, is you have to anticipate problems. Yeah. So giving you, uh, let's give you an example. When we were crossing the Indian Ocean this time, from Langkawi to Maldives, 12-day journey, somewhere around day 7 or 6, the toilet broke down. Now, the toilet broke down, okay, it happened in the evening, so we decided not to do anything. But the toilet, can you imagine? You don't have a toilet now. And because it's a motorized toilet, that means you need something to flush it out. What? But preparing for it meant I had to have a spare. Not the whole toilet, but just the motor. So we had to replace the motor. Now, if you didn't have it, of course, guys, we would manage it. We'd find a way to do, our, to do nature's calling. But it's still not the end of the world. But you can come into situations like this. Things will break. So we have to anticipate this. Again, it's not I can anticipate every problem under the sun. There's no way. But you try to anticipate the common ones and prepare for it. In terms of physical preparation, uh, not really a lot. Because, uh, I, I mean, no, besides, I didn't go and do lifting weights. and I mean, that would be the realm of racers because they move so fast. I'm talking about sailing boat racing where they need to be you know, very fit in order to... Some of these things are really physical. Whereas on cruising... We, it's not that physical. So you can manage it. Uh, else, let's say, what else was in terms of preparation would be the spares for the boat, preparing for it. Uh, physically, not that much. Mentally, yes, because you know that during these 12 days or 15 days, or the worst will be the Pacific, perhaps 30 days, uh, you will not see anybody. You will be on your own. Um, of course, you might have your your crew with you, but mm. it's a small space and living with people 
in a small space for a very long time and not able to get out is in itself difficulty. I mean, we all experienced that during COVID. Yes. Uh, you know, people could not, even family, a husband and a wife can't even stand each other during this COVID period. So imagine this in this period, and it could become a high-stress environment when we get into a breakage or rough sea where people have to concentrate a little bit more. So if it becomes a very high-stress situation, you can... So you have to be mentally prepared to manage the situation. That's about, I think, what we did like, most of the time. Okay, other ways where we, we've done some preparation is like we take the boat out prior to the main starting the journey. We take it on a longer, what we call a shakedown cruise. When you do a shakedown, you're basically testing the boat to see if there's anything and how it performs under various conditions in different environment than the standard that we see. So we did that. That was done. Uh, that was a preparation work. Was, oh, okay, this is how the boat handles in this particular situation. So those type of things, as since my crew are non-Malaysian, because I couldn't get any Malaysians, uh, I don't meet them. Uh, they only come right before we leave, uh, which is one of the drawbacks of not having Malaysian crew. Uh, so we have to get everything that we need on the boat. I need to know how it performs. I need to be aware Okay, if I do this, this is the what I what's you no know, like you for okay, just take a car for instance. I'll give you another analogy of a car. You know, when you drive a car, if it is your own car, you will know that you know when I take this bend, I can do it comfortably at whatever speed, let's say 80 or 90 kilometers an hour. But some other car, not your own, you might be a bit hesitant. Oh, put this flow oversteer or understeer. You know, things like that. So that's how it comes very important for you as the the guy to prepare for it, you know. So, this side of preparations did go on quite mm, a bit. All right. Um, you mentioned your crew just now. Um, can't get any Malaysians. Uh, why is that? Okay. I think it's also to do with the way we are brought up. Now, most Asians, I wouldn't say Malaysians, huh? most Asians, all through their life, they are always taught about chasing goals. Chasing goals in, in most cases, it's always about career, and how much money you have in the bank and titles. These are critical points in a lot of Asian households. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's Malaysian-centric because you look and see, uh, China has like about a billion over people and you can still not get that many ocean sailors. Um, India just recently got a guy who came out number two, Abhilash Tomi is an Indian. But from a population of one over a billion people, one, you know, it's like, what is the number? So it is the way we are brought up. So when you are brought up like this, uh, you want to have these things first. Title, money, career, everything. These are all put up right in the top. So going on a boat, going around the world, uh, might not be something for them to be to shout about. Uh, you know, something to get excited about. Um, they don't think, they most of them probably think this is a waste of time. I can fly from point A to point B a lot faster. But it's not about, the. for me, it's the journey. It's not the destination. Now, maybe it takes a little bit more for people to talk about it. That is why I'm going on this media blitz thing, you know, talking to radio, talking to TV, because I feel we need to get the message out about getting people to do something different in life and to experience, really live. You know, 
a lot of Malaysians, yes, we have got a very good passport, which gets us, you know, mind you, just imagine Tanzania, I guess, an example, how powerful is our passport. Tanzania doesn't require visas for us, but a US and a British guy needs to get a visa. So you see, our passport, not that bad. It's quite powerful. But just to say, you know, how many Malaysians actually want to venture into areas which is not in their comfort zone? Okay, again, I wouldn't say Malaysians, Asians in general, get out of their comfort zone. They're very reluctant. That's probably why we are not getting the feedback. I asked, I did speak to the Navy, uh, but I got no response because I thought being the Navy and potentially can do a lot of flag waving exercises if we had gone to Chagos, you know, it would have been a good thing for the Navy to be a part of it, but we didn't get any response. I don't know why. But again, like I said, you know, it's like, okay, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's not my loss. It is their loss because it is not often possible for us to embark on a journey like this. It has not been done by so many Malaysians. I mean, we have boats, but why nobody is doing it? It's because it's not something they want to do because it's not common. So we don't have that ability. Now, why not Malaysians? I would say it's a lot to do with our bringing because we have different sets of values. And this value stream doesn't put us in this in this sort of a game. Oh, I want to cross the world in a sailboat. A, there is a movie on Netflix called True Spirit. This is about a girl who is just 16 years old, I think when she went around the world. Now, just imagine a 16-year-old Australian girl went around the world. Probably didn't finish school. There's quite a number of them who have done it. So this type of character is something that we, I think we lack as Asians. We need to build this because this is a spirit. You know, this is something that you have to build from within. I cannot teach you this in the university. I cannot teach you to go and experience life. You have to actually want to do it first. And this is one of the main reasons I'm doing this. I want people to see, including my kids, I want them to see that life is a lot more than this. This is something, this is the message that I want to get out. You know, you've got to experience life. Yeah, I'm not saying a degree is important, not important. I'm not saying earning a salary is, you know, getting more assets is important. I'm not saying any of those things. But there is a life beyond that. Mm. That is what, is the message that I'm trying to tell. Now, this is what that is critical to me at this point in my life. Mm. There is a book, it's titled Half Time, which I would recommend, uh, at least people who are somewhere in, in their career, you know, maybe somewhere middle in their career, you know, like not when the guy is just graduated. But, oh, you can actually read it just to see the perspective. Read this book. It's a book called Half Time by Bob Buford uh, that will, you know, give you maybe a different perspective in life because you need that you can't see everything as being career centric money centric you know that title centric that is a lot more to life than that hmm. but how how will you be able to I guess advise people who want to embark on this project but maybe don't have the means and the privilege to be able to do it to start I guess building their life up to be able to one day be able to dream to be able to do these things of course you have to plan for it now hmm. uh, this is not an easy exercise Financially, it's taken us. It will be a strain for me when I finish. Uh, it's not. I'm not telling you I have all sponsors lined up where they pay everything for me. No, it's not the case. So of course, it took a bit of planning financially to prepare for this. Uh, so for someone who wants to embark on something audacious, let's just say I want to climb all the five highest peaks in the world. I mean, uh, of course, flying to Nepal is not that expensive, but preparing to climb Mount Everest will be. You know, a lot of preparation gets into it. It may take more time. 
So he needs to have some resources. Of course, if you can get sponsors, fine. If you don't get sponsors, you want to do it, just go ahead and do it. But how do you prepare for it? There are things that you need to do. Maybe amass a certain amount of money so that I can fund my own way. I mean, it takes time. I'm not saying it's going to be given to you. We need to get out of this culture of expecting things to be given to us. That is the absolute wrong thing in to be sending out this message. You can't, we can't live our life expecting someone to give you something. This is the wrong message. The message that should be you work for it. I mean, even really spend time, think about it and work for it. And then you will achieve it. And achieving it that way gives you a lot of, you know, it builds up your, your inner self, your ability to feel, uh, I mean, to build up your, I would say, not, not, what would be the right word for that? You know, it builds up your yourself as a person whereby, you know, you are, you are very happy because I did this on my own, not by someone spoon-feeding me or someone pulling me along the way or I have big cables that I can pull to get things done. You did it on your own and that is an achievement and that you will carry on all through your life. So if someone wants to plan this big audacious dream, climb five, five mountains, fine, start training. Physically, that's a physical exercise. Along the way, start amassing money, work out how much it will cost, go ahead and do it. Because you can. You only have this one life. We, there's no such thing as reincarnation. Most of us have that belief at least. There are those who believe there is reincarnation. But let's just say, we are now living in this present time. This is the one life that you have. Live it to the fullest. That is important. All right. Um, how many crew members will be joining you in this trip? Okay, the first trip from from Langkawi, from Port Klang to Maldives, we had three, myself and two others. One is from Czech, Czech Republic and another is a British. Uh, when I get back to Maldives now, the Czech guy follows me again. Uh, he will follow me until Seychelles. And when we get to Seychelles, another Czech Republic guy gets on board. So I'll be him and two others all the way to Tanzania. Uh, then they return. I won't return. I'll just stay on the boat for a while. Because all this is money flying back and forth, putting in marinas costs a lot of money. So I would stay on the boat. Uh, in September, the Czech guy, the first Czech guy from the beginning, he will join me. Uh, and then we are hoping that the guy who joined us in Seychelles will follow us through. Now, if there are Malaysians, again, I'm going to put it out. If you are interested, you're a sailor, let me know. I'm reachable. I have my socials. Uh, they're pretty much everywhere now. I'm trying to get as much information as I can. And perhaps, I don't know, we can put it in some link and attach it and come and get a hold of me. Uh, you'd like It requires for preparation for this. If you're not a sailor, you need a little bit of sailing experience just so that you know stuff. But talk to me. I can guide you along the way because I basically the boat is now going to be properly crewed until South Africa. Beyond South Africa, which is the end of this year, there's still a still grey area as to who will be there next year, but besides me. So it is possible for a Malaysian to experience this. To me, getting Malaysians on board is my priority A because one, we are culturally similar, regardless of race, religion and creed, we are in all ways similar. Malaysian, Indians, Chinese, Malay, does not matter. Priority is to get Malaysians on board. Now, I will... I've said this in all my interviews. I want to see and want the Malaysians to come and experience and see what I have seen. And they can't see it sitting at home on Astro or sitting on Netflix in front of the TV and experiencing this. You will not. 
You cannot, uh, seeing a dolphin when it swims next to your boat and seeing a dolphin in TV is not the same. All right, okay. Um, so what are you looking forward to the most in terms of, I guess, um, this journey? You see, this is a question that was actually brought to me by my Czech, my, my Czech uh, sailor crew. He said, why are you doing this? I mean, like, what is the main driver behind it? Initially, I thought it was like, oh, okay, you know, I, I want to see all these places. Actually, now I think back, I want to just finish this because I want to show people that things can be done no matter how difficult things can be done. And I'm more about the journey and less on the destination. Uh, the, journey, the destination bit, if it's like I get to go to Chagos, it'll be the icing on the cake. But getting to Chagos to be is the interesting part. Crossing the ocean, finishing it is the interesting part. Going from point A to point B and finishing it safely, nobody hurt, boat not broken, that's it. So I want to do this and, you know, that's the primary goal now. I need to see these three places, Chagos, St. Helena and the South Pacific. And I want to come back to Malaysia completing this journey. I want the Malaysians to see this and know that they also can achieve great things. And I'm not a famous person. I don't have, I know I'm not like, oh, you see me every day in every single newspaper. I'm not somebody popular like some singer. Normal people, normal person can also do big things. So this is something that I would hope to achieve when I get back. Hopefully, people will see that. All right. Um, you extended the offer for fellow Malaysians to be a part of it, to join you if possible. Uh, if they would like to do that, how can they get in touch with you? Okay, there is my social media. Mm. Okay, uh, you can get me on Facebook at Destiny Dawn. On Instagram is Destiny 12. 12 is spelt. So it's Destiny, T-W-E-L-V-E. And on my blog, it's DestinyDawnSailing.com. Mm. Uh, these are the three main ones. Uh, so feel free to... Uh, get in touch with me via this uh, social media and just I mean look it doesn't matter you will a lot of us will be sort of like oh sailing you know so it, it looks yeah I mean I'm trying to put someone who is not a sailor and telling him to go on a boat and sail for X number of days they'll be thinking one yeah no but you know they, they might have created this interest like I met another guy who is a traveler He's not a sailor. He's just a traveler. He loves going on motorbike, cycling, you know, all this, this stuff. He thought, oh, I can just jump on board. And no. <laughs> you, why I'm saying that is because not about, you need the guy, that person needs to be able to fit into the environment because you're, you're talking about sailing at night when you can't see anything. You're going to be de de uh, depending on instruments. You're going to be having to look out. You're going to have constant motion of the boat. These are things that you don't experience while riding a motorbike, for instance. So being an avid traveler on a motorbike doesn't necessarily mean you can get onto a boat and sail. So I, what I would say is try these things out. There's avenues. The Peninsula Sailing Club in Port Klang is one. There's one more, the Royal Slanger Yacht Club. There are two yacht clubs in Malaysia. They, are, they do conduct classes. Approach them. Pick this up. We have sailing boats in Malaysia. The Rajamudra Regatta is in November. That's another avenue to do it. You have weekly, uh, bi-weekly races out of uh, both the yacht clubs. You know, join them and try to start. You you never know. You uh, Potentially someone out there may be like the lady that just finished the Golden Globe. You know, would be a future Golden Globe winner. But he or she does not know these things. Oh, I've never been exposed. There is this sport called sailing. 
and there is places in Malaysia where you can learn and then when if this sparks that desire to do it uh, then by all means try it out mm. and um, they still have enough time to be able to I guess yes, they yeah, equip themselves with some knowledge and yes. still join you right because your journey is going to take three, three years to five years three, three to five, five years, years at least all right. yeah. okay thank you so much for speaking to me and uh, and all the best for your for your journey Fabian looking, oh. looking forward to it um, will they be able to follow um, your journey on social media yes what I'm going to do is before I uh, I will I will actually post a tracker which puts my position it will be on my on my socials whereby you can actually click on the link and it will give you my location at that at any given point and there will be access it will be given access to those who just get onto my social media so they can actually follow me all the way through You've been tuning in to I Love KL and I've been speaking to Fabian Fernandez. Fabian is planning to sail around the world soon and we wish him all the best. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at pfm.my slash I Love KL. Our app, which you can find via Google Play and the App Store. And you can also find this podcast and many more on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.